Welcome to Women Self-Made Podcast with me, Marina Bennett. Today, my guest is Sean Gill. She's one of UK and European leading patent attorneys heading the Chemical and Life Science Division of Werner Shipley. Don't worry, we don't talk about molecular biology in an interview. We talk about inclusion, being a boss, Sean's early years. What is it like to be the only female partner in a top law firm and how to get top professional IP protection advice for free. Rosie, hello. Welcome, welcome, welcome. How are you today? Yeah, good. Thanks so much. And thank you so much for coming to my home office um, in, in the heart of Chiswick, where we're sort of, yeah, it's probably a little bit too far to come normally, but thank you. Much appreciated. It's okay. just coming up to Christmas, so we're sort of based a bit more at home towards that, so everyone can um, can get ready. Of course. Of course. A pleasure. Lovely, lovely home. Festive spirit in every single room. <laughs> Be- beautiful home. Um, so, Rosie, when did you consider yourself being successful? Goodness, does anyone ever really consider themselves successful? Um, I think I'd I'd mark success as being more about progress than anything. So, you know, if you're doing bigger, better, more exciting things, things that fulfil you more than the year before, um, and then of course there is the sort of there is you know the, the sort of financial implications of success as well. You know, if it's if it's better than the year before, I think you're always moving to success and you're moving to progress. So, with that in mind, um, I definitely think 2022 year for us, for Luxury Communications Council and Shepherd Communications, has been a successful year, which is fantastic. But of course, next year we hope to be even more successful. So, what was special about 2022? Ah, well, we did the PR for the Platinum Jubilee. For the royal family so we were working with downing street and with buckingham palace which i mean it was just one of those one of those campaigns that you know we worked on it for you know 16 months and it was just so unique and so wonderful and so exciting and you know we did lots of other really exciting hotel campaigns this year as well we launched a hotel in south kensington called the other house we did some really great drink stuff for Diageo and, and all sorts and, and, and many, many more lovely things. But that, I mean, it's just pretty much a once in a lifetime moment to be able to work on something like that. So, um, yeah, it was it was very special. Of course. Um, so if we go uh, back a few years, uh, uh, when did you decide that you want to be in PR? Did you always want it? Uh, if you were, uh, let's say you were 20 years old, did you know that you, uh, this is what you're going to do? So um, yes and no. I had an aunt who was a travel journalist who would travel the world, going to all these incredible places. And it was a time then when, um, and, and sometimes it still happens, but very much back then, you were allowed to bring guests, bring family. Now she, her children were more grown up than us. We were we were small, and we used to get invited on these wonderful trips. And she'd take all of us. You know, I have a family of four. She'd take the whole the whole family with her. You know, she'd be given these beautiful villas and and beautiful houses and tours and sort of the best of the best. And I was like, this is really nice. Like, <laughs> I could get on board with this. And she always said to me, you know, the the actually, you know, the writing is is great, but the PR is actually really even more fun because, you know, you, you're you're doing much more strategic stuff as well as just the writing. You'll be doing writing as well, but it's a really sort of a different 
different kind of job. I, I have done journalism in my career as well, which I'm sure we'll talk about later. But but it's it's a really sort of 360 sort of thing. And and indeed, you can change clients all the time. So you, you do experience many, many different things. And I for me, I was just sort of like, this is wonderful. And then I was at Bristol University, um, studied classics, so Latin and Greek, very, very traditional, nothing to do with anything I'm doing now. Um, but um, I did work in my final year of university at a PR agency a couple of days a week doing work experience, unpaid, but I sort of just wanted to get a bit ahead of my peers, mostly because my, my degree was slightly, you know, left field and, and I was slightly worried about getting, ever getting a job. Um, so I did this and then that um, it gave me a bit of a head start. So um, from then I sort of, my first job was actually at the biggest PR agency in the world, a company called Fleischmann Hillard, went straight into their travel hospitality team, which, you know, was, was mm -hmm. the dream. And, and from there, you know, my first ever client was launching Etihad Airways in, in, in a country every month, being on the global account for Egypt tourism and, 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 and so much more. So I sort of went straight into the thick of it and, and had a lot of responsibility very early on, sort of, you know, hosting journalists, you know, at the, well, it was called the Emirates Palace in Abu Dhabi, which was, mm -hmm. I mean, still, still is one of the best hotels in the world. Traveling business class, da, da, da. so I was like, this is great. Um, sadly, definitely don't have that that level of hospitality anymore. You know, it's it's slightly changed the industry now. But um, when I started, it was it was you know very very much laid on, and and you were you were you know really traveling in style and um and and you know very much got a taste for it and and hospitality is sort of the thread that runs through my career and I have done other things I've done retail fashion we do lots of drinks um and indeed big public events are in mm -hmm. Jubilee now so add that to add that to the creds but um yeah it was it was it was very much I guess a sort of family got gave me a taste and then I sort of gave myself a bit of a head start at uni and then and it and it went from there um would you please explain, for those who don't quite understand it, what is PR? <laughs> There's well, a lot of misconceptions about it. What is it that you do? No, well, I've made it sound so far. The classic cliche of PR is, of course, absolutely fabulous, where they're just drinking champagne all day, which, which sometimes is the Fly case. business class. And, yeah, exactly. Fly business class, exactly. Um, in, in essence, it's essentially about reputation management and about how the public... Um, or indeed whoever the target market is, is 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 seeing either a person or a brand um, and it has changed a lot since I've been in it so you know the, the the PR agency where I did my first internship we were faxing out press releases obviously mm -hmm. <laughs> that, that was ages ago um, and you know by the time I did get into the workforce it was then email but you know it's it's changed enormously that's obviously one change but then social media changed everything um, so the media has progressed so we are basically managing reputation it's mostly via the media which can be newspapers broadcasts obviously social media is huge mm -hmm. in that now we do at shepherd communications we do a lot of vip relations as well um but you know it can be putting something out positive so if you read a newspaper the news section is normally the news as in current events and and some of that is pr influence as well but actually then all those other sections whether they're lifestyle food and drink restaurants fashion etc are normally in the most part, very much influenced by the PR industry. So whatever someone is promoting at that time, whatever story someone putting out at that time. So 
So that's that's basically what we concentrate on. And of course, you know, that can be putting out positive messages and, and positive news stories, launches, etc. But equally, just as important is obviously ne- managing ne- negative as well. Um, so keeping stuff out of the press, um, which hopefully no one ever knows about. Or indeed, if there is a bad story out there, what we can do to contain it, you know, what we can do to sort of make it into a positive fundamentally is, is the, the main objective. So does that does that cover it? Does that make sense? Uh, it definitely sounds uh, better that it's it's not just uh, uh, hospitality and drinks and flights. No, thing. no thank, thank you. That sounds fa- no, that, that sounds that'd be great. Sounds, fa- <laughs> sounds fascinating. And um, you mentioned bad PR. There is another uh, cliche that uh, bad PR or bad press is better than no PR. Do you agree with that or or not? Um, yes, I think. It depends on the objective, right? But being talked about is always is always what it is. You know, it always it, it, it shines a light on you, the individual, or indeed a brand. But um, obviously, there are challenges with that. You you know, the, there's only so much negativity a person, a brand, can take. And indeed, now there's cancel culture, which a brand or a person could be cancelled very easily. Um, and the general public at the moment are very very willing to cancel brands and people there's a huge volatility in it and and you know with with all the sort of trolling trolling culture and everything it's it's very volatile out there um so there's only so much negative press that 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 somebody can take or a brand can take and indeed it could be that one's transgression is your is the nail in the coffin so it, i mean the it, i think that used to be the case i think now i'd be very careful about sort mm-hmm. of thinking in that way Um, there's a very, very topical example of Balenciaga at the moment, um, which yeah. you're nodding, so you, you probably know, but for, for anyone who doesn't know. So Balenciaga have been a very, very, um, I guess, controversial fashion brand over the years. And they've sort of, you know, they, they've done various campaigns which have caused an amount, a great amount of discussion. And that's great and fine. And, 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 and then this year they did two campaigns which did... Um, <laughs> play with i'll say the topic of um a topic of of you know child pornography um and and abuse which is obviously you know everyone has everyone has a sense of humor everyone has you know a certain amount of leeway for for people who are controversial but then i think you know it was very universally i guess acknowledged that they'd really crossed the line and um And and as a result, you know, it, it led to a huge amount of a huge amount of negative press and everything. But in my mind, you know, if they haven't been cancelled now, which they haven't, you know, they're, they're probably not going to be, and they probably will get back from this. And there is, you know, this huge school of thought around it, which is possibly the case, probably the case. I go so far as to say that that it was all very deliberate, and you know, it wasn't ill conceived. It was very deliberate for attention on the brand, and 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 that sort of thing really just sort of calls the whole ecosystem into question because it's sort of like you know, then that's leaning into negative press, which you just is so fundamentally like not what we're trained to do. So. It's it's an interesting time, and I think you know we'll we'll see how that progresses. I think it's a really interesting, you know, interesting case study because it really mm-hmm. very much holds a mirror up to society and what they're willing to forgive and 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 what a brand should do and how a brand should respond and how a brand can recover. So um, we'll see about that one. I'm I'm very intrigued to see how it goes. 
so how do you stay tuned into the mood of the public? How do you measure it? How do you how do you know uh, what you can cross when it will be too much? Um, well, I mean, that's again, that's a really mm -hmm. good question. Um, for me personally, I stay in tune, hopefully by, well, every morning, because of Luxury Communications Council, we absolutely have to have our finger on the pulse with trends and, and, and that side of things. So, you know, knowing exactly what's cool, essentially. And then that really informs um, what, how we then respond to everything that we do in terms of sort of putting out information, putting out intelligence for LCC, um, or indeed, you know, informing our potential or existing clients what we should be doing for strategy for PR um, so that that's very helpful in sort of like noticing what's working what's not working what's capturing the public's imagination and and indeed you know that's changed enormously since COVID so people are really behaving very differently since COVID and, and you know we've had to really sort of watch that and adapt to that um, but actually I genuinely think the most useful tool in watching public sentiment is the tv show gogglebox mm -hmm. it is brilliant i mean it's highly entertaining as well don't get me wrong and it's like my absolute guilty pleasure um but also you know in terms of watching seeing what's landing what they're reacting to how people are feeling it's the most wonderful spread of different demographics from you know all over the diff different parts of the country and, and indeed the uk and and it's incredibly informative like it's 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 brilliant interesting <laughs> not a luxury <laughs> but it's true and you know obviously we we i'm a luxury you know i was going to say expert i'll say specialist uh, and and you know as a result you're you're in theory communicating to a very small audience but for the jubilee we could we absolutely couldn't be thinking of ourselves in that way you know we absolutely had to connect with every single member of the public and that was the main objective for the whole jubilee weekend and the whole celebration was about celebrating her Majesty, yes, but also uniting the country and uniting the people. And it was very much, so the pageant was a really interesting mm -hmm. part of it because it was all about performances of the people and the, the sort of, the, the I guess, the objective behind it was uh, to create something that was um, by the people, for the people. And that became a, a mantra that we used throughout it. And and it was so important that we had to reflect all of the world, all of the, all of the country and indeed the Commonwealth as well, which is you know, uh, not necessarily the easiest thing because that's the, the whole different sort of, you know, you know, communities with their own different mindsets as well. But, you know, it's very London-centric, the, the you know, the celebration. And, and we had to be sure that it wasn't just about London. Mm -hmm. You know, it had to represent the whole country, had to unite the whole country. And I think, you know, I think it really did, which was great. So, um, yeah, anyway. Gogglebox helps. <laughs> I'm going to watch it with a completely new, uh, yeah. new set of eyes. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's funny. One of my friends, who's a quite a prominent politician, he got me onto it. And he's, you know, politicians, the first to be, you know, told to be you know, told to be in touch or, or the first to be criticised for being out of touch. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, so, so he was like, tell you what will really help. I was like, what are you talking about? Um, but, but then actually it's also highly entertaining as well. Um, I just uh, th uh, thought of uh, thought of something. You mentioned politicians. Uh, you are working with a ro uh, royal family, so all celebrities, and luxury brands. Um, do you, all of them have PR strategies and PR teams? Uh, and who are um, most uh, who are mostly into it? So who are who has the the biggest PR campaigns, biggest PR strategists working for them? Or uh, can you pick pick, pick somebody out? 
so brands would always have a, a normally a quite a robust PR campaign around it and, and hopefully a sort of hopefully a, a you know a very diverse campaign um you don't have to reach everyone for a brand you want to know who your audience is and you want to know who you're talking to and then talk to them really well build a community around a brand and um and and you know become almost like a friend really brands are becoming people essentially in the in the same time people are becoming brands so you know it's it's a really interesting and weird time um people generally it's funny because actually often you know you read something about a celebrity in the newspaper and you're like oh it's a great publicity stunt often it's not so often people are actually just doing what people are doing and it happens to be captured and, and mm -hmm. it's sort of then post-rationalized um people do have publicists in the uk but actually that's much more of american art not that many people have publicists except sort of the a-listers in the uk um and as a result of that people are being well i guess they're having like more and more understanding of the importance of having their own personal brand and every I say, you know, influencer is sort of the, the word which captures all sort of digital content creators. All of those are their own brands, you know, and they've all done it themselves. And it's amazing. And people are becoming really, really good at it. And um, and as a result, people are then learning to do it. There are podcasts and how to manage your personal brand, et cetera, et cetera. So that's become, you know, it's a whole, a whole thing, art in itself. And I don't think you necessarily need, you know, a traditional publicist lens to do that because, you know, on Instagram and social media, you can be in control of your own brand. You can put out what you want to put out. Now, obviously, when it goes wrong, that's mm -hmm. when you need someone. That's when it all, you know, that's when an expert is absolutely crucial because it can go very wrong very quickly and it can go very wrong very dramatically. And as, as we spoke about earlier, we can be cancelled. So, yeah. So, I mean, I think it has to be thought through and you have to think about, you know, what you're trying to say and what you're looking to be perceived as and why. And, and, and this sort of, Oh, this I hate the word authenticity like oh, it doesn't what does it mean but you know it's it's for people it's really valid um especially with like TikTok now is is completely different to Instagram everyone knows Instagram's very manicured TikTok's not and and TikTok's now outstripping Instagram enormously with sort of you know the luxury audience and and well in many cases you know me, people are changing most brands coming off Twitter focus on in Twitter, TikTok much more and then Instagram is sort of, you know, they're just chugging along with that. But TikTok is very much the future. And that is, it's rough, unpolished content that's, you know, it's really cool. And, and that's what's really, in terms of sort of what's cool at the moment and what's really landing and what making an impact and what people are talking about, it's that. And that is all, it's all the same. It's all personal brand, you know, however, it, whether it's a dance move or a how-to or whatever you are on TikTok, whatever you're controlling, that's your personal brand. So it's interesting. Do you have your own uh, PR strategy? <laughs> no, but I probably should. It's really, it's like it's the thing that comes last, isn't it? Always in in every company. Um, I guess um because of the Luxury Communications Council, um, I do have a lot of prominence in the industry, which is actually really really helpful. Um, you know, with with the council we have our members so all the members of major luxury houses with the fashion so fashion it might be you know chanel or burberry or um, net-a-porte or farfetch you know for watches and jewelry we've got all the big boys so it's the cartiers the rolexes the you know the, the boodles the graph the de beers etc and then indeed the same for all the different vertical sectors so hospitality it's you know shangri-la and four seasons and Dorchester collection and etc etc so 
what we do is basically we gather together all the marketing comms directors and chief marketing officers actually um, from these brands and we host events you know for, for networking they hear from amazing people from sort of the big editors whether it's the president of Condé Nast or the editor of Vogue or last week we had one with the editor of GQ and the former editor of Vogue Business and and then the sustainability director of Stella McCartney for example and, and we sort of all learn from them and, and network and we do industry reports etc so from that I do lots of moderation and curation and as a result um, I guess lots of people know who I am in the industry which is 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 very helpful because then that's how the PR agency started mm-hmm. because people would come to me and um and say you know we, we've seen you know we know we know you know your stuff you certainly know luxury you certainly know the industry are you still doing PR which was always my background um and I was head of global comms and marketing at a big luxury hotel group for many years um and it sort of grew from there that it wasn't supposed to be a PR agency essentially it's sort of grew one client at a time and then I needed more people and then and then grew 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 um and it's been fab and they sort of the the two companies really work together really well in terms of referrals and as I mentioned I know what's cool because of LCC and I know what's current which is great and then equally lots of my brands want partnerships so I can just open any door for anyone which is fantastic um and and yeah so as a result of that I guess that is my PR and I, therefore I probably don't need it so much, which is great. Um, but, you know, I do the odd thing like this, you know, which is important to help other women. And that's really, really important to me that we bring other women up. And, you know, LCC is we do a big part of bringing other women in luxury up. And yeah, so, you know, we'll do stuff like that. The stuff that's important. Thank you. Thank you. What's the favourite part of PR business for you? I think PR is really fun because it's really different every day. You have no idea where your day is going to lead. There's always stuff that comes up. I love an event. Like putting together an event is so exciting. Like, and and I get such a kick from that. Um, and yeah, like I guess it's just like it's it's also just quite you know in the luxury world it can be there are perks there are fun people there are interesting you know conversations that happen. And um and and you learn a lot, you know, in in from a PR world, especially when you have different clients, you have to get up to speed with whatever industry you're learning about. Uh, whether we what, what, you have to get up to speed with whatever industry you're working in very quickly. So you sort of learn an entire ecosystem of your client very very quickly, and then you might do the same. So you sort of end up knowing a lot about a lot of things, and you know a lot of people about you know who are all very interesting. And I'm gonna start that again. I didn't okay. like that answer. Okay. Okay, so the thing I love about PR the most is the people. I absolutely love people. I find people fascinating. I love meeting new people. And um, and I think, you know, it is all about communication. Um, and just, you know, being able to chat to people and learn about them and understand what they're doing and how you can help them do what they're doing better um, is, is, is great. I mean, that's for me, it's like the perfect job. And obviously, you then it's, it's an intellectual exercise in many ways, which is very contrary to the sort of the sort of PR reputation um yeah PR needs its own PR campaign actually mm-hmm. um that it's not just about champagne um and and it is an intellectual exercise as to how a brand will progress and how a you know how you can you know overcome certain challenges etc um so the combination of the two for me is fantastic uh, what about the opposite what's the worst part of the business i think it's quite it's quite challenging in the sense that you're never really the master of your own destiny in the sense that 
you can try many things for a client and it might be that you you know exercise different strategies and you have you know a partnership campaign and you have a VIP campaign and a media campaign and and you don't necessarily it doesn't always work in the sense that it might not be what you think will land doesn't always land because you know it might be that a war breaks out and and they've got the front pages and that they've taken it away so you're never you're never really controlled it might be that you're expecting a segment on your client in the news but then something else happens that's more interesting or indeed actually when i launched the jubilee campaign we then nearly won a massive football game it's clearly i'm not into sport <laughs> but um it was it was i think it was quite an important football game anyway something happened last june june 2021 um really big in the sporting event and it stole all my front pages and it was like <laughs> ah like it was so frustrating um but of course you know you, you then try different things and you you always adjust the strategy and, and you do the different things but and obviously over years you start to anticipate these things and you have a really good understanding of the curveballs that could happen and and what might not resonate and what does but it is you're you're never it's never so simple that you're like oh, I'm just going to put this out there and it will land exactly how I think it'll land in exactly the way. It's not. It's always a constant adjustment, which can be frustrating. But, you know, it's also, when it does happen, it's very satisfying. Thank you. Lots of listeners of the podcasts are women who either have started their own business or are thinking about starting it, wanting to become an entrepreneur, whether it being an online business or a small business or an influencer, um, being, being on social media. Um, and the importance of personal brand and PR for even when you start, I presume, uh, is important. Yes. Um, would you give advice? Because a lot of the people, they don't have uh, advertising budgets and they can't spend money on PR advice. Uh, some uh, some advice that you could give how they can try to build their personal brand for themselves and for the business. So I think it's really smart to have a personal brand. Um, firstly, people buy people, uh, buy into people, I should say. Um, so I think starting with that as part of one of your fundamental pillars of communication is actually really important. Um, I also think though that it's very difficult to have you know a product or a, or a, or a brand without being a little bit disruptive these days and having a really unique point of view. That doesn't mean that you're, it doesn't mean that you're, you're, whatever you're creating has to be that unique, but the conversation around it has to be quite unique in terms of, you know, whether you're, say, for example, you're a suitcase company, you have to have a really strong opinion about, about travel. And indeed, if you're, you know, if you're a wellness brand, you have to have a strong sort of opinion about why your thing is, is preferable and what it is. So it's sort of this lifestyle conversation that goes around it. And it doesn't have to always be, you know, it doesn't have to always be about the positives of what you're doing. It can be about the industry in general. It's better if it's about the industry in general. And indeed, it also can also be a little bit negative about certain things in the industry in general, you know, not too strong, because no, you don't want to sort of, I don't know, it's always better to be positive. But I think it's I think it's really important to have have a bit of grit and have courage in your convictions and that's what's going to make you stand out. Um it's it's that sort of thing that will get cut through for a new brand. Once you've got some metrics around it in terms of sort of your your actually have some successful sales figures and stuff like that, that's when you can start talking to the business pages. But until then, that's not really gonna work. So 
that's sort of I'd say the most important thing is sort of about a brand you know messaging positioning that side of things I'd also say though that assets go such a long way and what I mean by that is is imagery and um, imagery videography that sort of thing you can you can actually like have a very very fairly standard sort of brand but it's got such stunning imagery that you know the picture editors want in newspapers and magazines they want this imagery like so if you can create something like that like that will go a long long way as well um and also don't be afraid to sort of you know i'm i'm talking more about traditional pr of course here but you know in every front of every magazine there's a list of all the people who you need to know right there like and and just because you don't have an immediate relationship it's always worth trying and pr is really hard because <laughs> post covid you know, you have to have mobile numbers and stuff like that, but it's always worth trying because you might just get lucky and it might be that that thing lands in someone's inboxes at exactly the right time. Um, you know, it, it's, it's, it, it is worth a shot. Um, however, Instagram, LinkedIn, you know, these things can build brands very, very quickly. And as we know, TikTok, TikTok's really interesting because it doesn't just fall back on how many followers you are. If a video is being watched and they do the the algorithm works on how many seconds somebody people are watching it so if it shows that you know a, a video is doing really well it can shoot up the uh, it can shoot up the the charts essentially really really quickly and be shown to more people so it's basically someone who's a complete unknown can go on TikTok completely viral overnight which can't happen on other social media channels so there's huge opportunity there the thing is content takes time and that's and that's and that's the biggest challenge but it is really worth investing in that and and i'd say that's i guess the biggest change in the industry but also the biggest opportunity thank you thank you thank you um rosie do you have any habits or rituals which contribute to your success maybe you're part of the 5 a.m wake-up club or <laughs> god oh. no um, I'm definitely not part of the 5am wake up club. <laughs> um, I have two children, so, um, <laughs> life is, life is full, shall we say. Um, and, you know, you can't really depend on having these amazing rituals that, you know, with two children. Having said that, um, I have one mantra which I think serves me very, very well, which is, um, if not now, when? Um, so, and that pretty much applies to everything I do. So, and it, I mean, it's just a fancy way of saying bloody get on with it, frankly. Um, but it's sort of a bit like if you procrastinate and don't do it now, you probably won't get a chance because if your life is so full, you're definitely not able to come back. And if you're thinking about something then, probably, first of all, someone else will do it. You know, if, if you're thinking about it, someone else will do it and that, who has more time than you. And indeed, you probably, well, then it becomes a bigger thing in your head and then it becomes stressful. So it's actually, in my view, always better just to crack on with something. And you can always go back and, you know, for a piece of work, you can always go back and look at it later and amend it and make it better, etc. But just getting on with something, doing something. And that also applies to my kids, you know, like, there's so much, I mean, there's so much, but, you know, if you don't, if they say, oh, can we do something? It's probably better just to do it then because if you say later later then you just feel guilty <laughs> so um you know it's a it's a balance it's a juggle like it's so obviously every you know most women now are working mums like it's very rare you know very few of my friends for example you know even the ones who have the means to be are non-working mums because it's so important for women to have that fulfillment and that drive and that purpose and 
I am such an advocate for that, that women need to have purpose and drive and, and a sense of themselves and something beyond their family life. And don't get me wrong, for some women, that's so wonderful that they can do that and that's enough for them. For me, personally, it's not. It's not. But, you know, and and as a result, you always are making compromises. And, you know, there's always the mum, such cliche mum guilt, it's so true, like, oh my God, it's everywhere. But if, you know, if you can, if in my view, if you can sort of, you know, you don't have to have this stringent routine, but if you can do things when you're with them, well, that's enough. And if you do things when you're at work, well, and to get on with it and just crack on with it, then, you know, you're hopefully winning most battles. Hopefully. <laughs> so can women have it all? I mean, what a question. I mean, I'm trying. <laughs> um, I'm certainly trying. Um, and there are compromises, you know. And But I think when you work for yourself, it's easier to have it all. And I think it's far harder for women who, who work for someone else on someone else's schedule. Um, and I know that obviously lots of women can't work for themselves and it's, you know, it's a privilege, not, not, not even to do with financials, but some people don't have that mentality. They don't, obviously they don't have the desire, but when you're working for yourself, you know, you, you, I've got my kids school play today. It's the Christmas play, big excitement, making elf costumes in the evenings. <laughs> I say that, obviously I bought it. <laughs> There's no making elf costumes in this household. Who's at the time? But, um, but you know, you can do stuff like that. And, and, and that really helps. And, you know, I think, I think women who work for themselves might be able to get closer. But um, it's really tough. And it is really tough. And, you know, you know we, we're all just doing our best, right? And it looks like you're doing really, really well. Well, today maybe <laughs> today I've managed to get up, put makeup on, get dressed. Both kids are healthy. Da, da, da. So so far so good. But you know you get the call from the nanny or call from whoever's looking after your children. In my days that they're at um, local nursery, and you know you have a, a wonderful day full of meetings, all scheduled back to back. You're winning. You're all over it. You know you're on you're on time. And then you get the call from the, the nursery, and your kid's sick, and then everything completely crumbles. <laughs> And um, and you have to sort of you know make make whatever juggles and compromises you have to make and 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 it's it's tough but you know yes. it's wonderful so we try. How do you deal with stress and also uh, with failures? Have you had failures? So uh, sounds like you have a uh, full on crazy um, both uh, both personal and business lives. Uh, how do you uh, how do you deal with that? Um, in terms of stress, I think going back to what I said about do it now, I think that's actually really important for stress. And obviously that's not always possible. And you have, you know, you might have difficult clients or you might have a boss that's really sort of intrusive and, or whatever, or, or unpleasant, you know, many, many bosses are really unpleasant. Um, and, and I think that, I think stress is natural. First of all, it shows you care, which is great. I think doing it now is, is also it, for me, that really helps the stress because other, otherwise things just play on my mind and it just, you know, goes round and round. Um, but I, th that, that's helpful for me. But I also think, um, as you, I do think as you get older, thing, little things, you've seen it before. And, and actually, you know, it might be back in the day a celebrity wasn't doing what I expected them to do and they weren't posting the right things and I'd be so stressed. And now you're like, oh, never mind. <laughs> like, 
it'll be fine. <laughs> so I think, um, I think that's good. But you know, there are pressures. And I think, you know, sometimes you just have to go out, take a deep breath, have a go for a run and all that sort of stuff. Um, and, and, and do the sort of, you know, stress management tactics that, you know, are, are not new, but they work. And, um, and, and, and try and, you know, take a bit of time out. But, you know, it does show you care. So I do think stress is good. And, you know, there isn't one time that I don't get up on stage for the Luxury Communications Council. And, you know, I am so prepared. Oh, my goodness. You know, like, I have read my scripts a hundred times. I know when I'm interviewing someone, I know exactly what they're going to say in answer to me. I've worked with them, you know, doing all of that before, like preparation. So I try and reduce stress like that. But, you know, I'm still a bit stressed mm -hmm. and a bit nervous. And I think that's good. Like it makes you up your game. So, yeah. Um, in answer to your question about failures, again, I think failures are also really natural because I don't know anyone who hasn't had some failures. And I think obviously, you know, you have to adjust. And, you know, there's that lovely podcast by Elizabeth day how to fail and I think that's really fun and really great and I think you know there's huge learnings from stuff like that and um, my failures mostly are around sort of you know probably things out of my control you know I mentioned in the PR game that you know you, you you just it's not A to B in terms of results so that's really tricky but um yeah but I think you just have to try again <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I have any particularly wise words on failure but you just keep going until you crack it, right? Thank you. If you were not in PR business, uh, so let's imagine a sliding doors scenario, what would you do? I mean, 12-year-old me wants to be an actress. I was terrible <laughs> at it. <laughs> so um, that would have been the dream, but no, definitely not meant to be. Um, but yeah, other than that, I mean, because I started quite young in, in PR, you know, when I was sort of at university at 18, so I haven't really explored anything mm -hmm. else. So... Who knows? Actress is good. Actress is good. Actress is good. Uh, which celebrity or a famous person you would love to do PR for? Um, well, having done a little bit for the royal household now, I'd love to do. Um, I'd love to do the king. Um, I think King Charles is so interesting, and there's been amazing, amazing work to change his reputation over the years, and there's still so much to do. And you know, there's, he will be a living legend, no doubt, very soon, but I'd love to help get him there. I hope Royal Household will be listening. Yeah, exactly. And taking notes. Is there anybody who would you say no to? Oh, any politician. <laughs> any politician. I mean, it's so, it's just so hard and, and, and yeah, I think that would just be a complete nightmare. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Um, if you had a book written about you, what would you like to be the name of it? Ooh, um, how about Life is Rosy, based on love a pun. <laughs> good, good one. What is the best compliment you have ever received? Ooh, my husband, um, who's also a founder, um, he founded um, a, a company called Bridebook, which is a wedding platform, a wedding planning platform. He called me impressive the other day, which meets, means a lot. Um, yeah, I value his opinion enormously, so that was really nice. Um, what is your favourite unimportant thing to do? Well, watch Gogglebox. Gogglebox. <laughs> <laughs> Although you do watch it for business purposes as well. Uh, yeah, yeah, but it's still a guilty pleasure. <laughs> and what is your next challenge? 
Um, well, we're taking Luxury Communications Council Global. So we launched in Dubai about three months ago and we're sort of seeing how that goes, which is really exciting. And then it next stop New York, Paris, Milan, um, well, we were going to do Moscow, probably not now. Um, and then, and then hopefully Australia, Hong Kong, Singapore. So we are basically, we built the model. Now it's take it, take it worldwide. Here we come. Wow. 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 Good luck. Thank Good luck. You. Very exciting. Well, on this note, thank you so much for taking the time uh, out of your busy, busy, busy schedule and good luck with the, uh, with the launch, with the global launch and with everything else that you're doing and look forward to hearing all about it in the news. Sounds good. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you very much.